welcome to The Trumpet, the official podcast of Elephant Room Productions. My name is Robert Jean Pileccio. I am the podcast director for ERP. And as daunting as this is, this is our very first episode. So let's say woo. Woo. Okay. Um, <laughs> that woo just came from our artistic director, uh, Lauren M. Schober, who we will be talking with today. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce myself. I was the former marketing director for Elephant Room Productions. I have been with the company ever since we started a few years ago. In addition, I have been acting pretty much before I could walk. Theater has been my passion, and it is really the only other thing I want to do with my life. Uh, I am incredibly blessed and privileged to be a part of this theater company, and I'm incredibly excited that you all are joining us for this podcast. Just a little note on this podcast, our goal is to talk about our current projects, uh, any upcoming theatrical thing that we're involved with, even non-theatrical, our workshops and readings, which we're going to be getting to, Um, but it's just time to kind of dive right into the meat of it. We're going to be having a conversation with our artistic director, Lauren, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. So I guess just to break the ice, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, talk a little about your non-ERP theater background, where you're coming from. All right. Well, my name is Lauren Schover. Um, I grew up in a small town called Camp Hill from Pennsylvania. It's a very small town right in the center. And uh, going there was a very like artistically driven school. We had awesome high school musicals every single year. They nice. Were, like, they were like the thing to be at, you know? Okay, like, okay. And the thing to be in, you know, the football players, the cheerleaders, everyone was in it. It was awesome. I did not have that <laughs> experience, but we were very much a separate world in my, uh, <laughs> my well, school theater department. Ours were really great, and I, you know, part of that was because my dad was a music director, so he was really, really awesome at making sure everyone was really, very good at singing. Nice. But anyway, so that was kind of my, my start to it. I got involved in it from, um, actually, like elementary school, technically. I was always in the plays, and then middle school and high school, um... Always kind of being that like perfect secondary actor, you know. I'm very nice. very awesome at being <laughs> that, that what character. Was, what was your best school. What was your best role in uh, elementary or high school before you got to college? Well, you know, I had this like memorable experience in elementary schools in this play where we were all scientists and we were like learning what the computer was for the first time, and it's really memorable because I was so astounded by my director telling us to say watermelon over and over again. And that was the first time I was ever introduced to like that idea of not actually talking, but fake talking. And I was like, this oh, is the emotion. genius. Yeah. Yes. So that was like my first experience in elementary school. I remember that. And of course, I was in Peter Pan and things like that. Of course. Um, high all, school. I think I don't think you can be an actor without checking Peter Pan. Peter Pan. I've done two Peter Pans. In of my course. Life. I was a pirate and a lost boy. I was a pirate. Not in that order. Another <laughs> thing to check off your <laughs> high school to-do list in theater was definitely... Um, Susical. Yep. So mm-hmm. I was a Wickersham brother in Susical, and I remember it was awesome. It was the only time growing up in a conservative family that I was allowed to paint my nails black. And we had. Oh, um, you rebel! I was. We had cut off <laughs> jean jean jackets, and our hair was crazy, and we were jumping around like monkeys, and it was just so much fun to feel that like animalistic nature coming out in this like hilarious play. I can also join that club because I was Horton. Oh probably yeah, around the same time, probably around the same time you were a Wickersham. I'm sure I you was were, yeah. So that was probably my most memorable experience um, through high school. And when I went to college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, uh, you know, I always had art in me. I, I draw, I paint, I sing, I, I dance, I 
uh, do all of it, um, play guitar, everything. But ukulele. I never really thought about doing it as a career before. I didn't really know that that was something people did, you know? Um, so when I went to college, I, I was undecided when I got into Bloomsburg University, also in the middle of Pennsylvania. Go Bloom! And um, I finally decided that I was going to be a psychology major because that is another subject that's always stuck out for me. Um, just this like deep understanding of human behavior, which personally I find go very hand-in-hand hand with theater. And so for a while there, I was a psych major with a theater minor, and then I was a double major, and then finally theater just took over my life, and I found that I was getting so much more than I needed fulfilling my inner and emotional everything needs just to be able to do this this amazing art. You don't even understand the depths of it till you do it in a thing like college, you know, where you're right. with a small group of people, and that vulnerability, that just like amazing art, you have no idea, it's, it's, it's awesome. So... That kind of takes over your life, and you find that it's you can't breathe without it. You need it. So I decided to change everything, and I became a theater major, a psych minor. Um, kept flip, flopping back, but that's what I ended with when I graduated. So that's kind of like my educational background in theater. Um, yeah, that's sort of a similar track. I, I mean, I always had theater at the forefront. I did it all through high school, all through college. Um, but I entered as a double major of uh, mass comm and theater. And I just could not break away from the theater department. Exactly. Much to my, much to my mother's thrill, when I <laughs> called her and said, "Hey, the industry that will probably most definitely give me a job, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm sticking with <laughs> theater. Gonna, gonna figure it out." See, my mom is actually she like encouraged me to do the theater. She always wants to see her baby up on stage and doing this kind of stuff. And I think she could just tell that it really made me happy. And so she is actually like, she was a key influencer in me making that decision finally, um, along with my professors and my amazing um, classmates. Just, it's, yeah, it's like a hard thing to leave, that kind of that kind of group. Um, but yeah, after after college, I moved to Philadelphia, because that's what you do when you go to a central, central school in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, it's a nice big city that is definitely more approachable and affordable than something like New York City. Nothing wrong with that place, but um, Philly's amazing. It's just warm. Uh, it really is the city of brotherly love. Like You feel it in every aspect. Um, it's just it's an amazing city. And so I moved here about three years ago now, and... <laughs> Uh, I did a couple of jobs with Brat Productions, uh, Simpatico Theater Company, um, a few others I can't remember right now, but little jobs, you know, assistant director, assistant producer, those kinds of things, just kind of like get, getting myself in the door, different places. Uh, and then we found this idea for ERP, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but um, yeah, that's kind of like my background. I've been here ever since. Very nice, nice. And uh, a lot of our, even before ERP, a lot of our theatrical backgrounds have been intertwining um, until oh, yeah. we came to a point where we can't get out of each other's lives. Not, <laughs> Why that, we would ever, we? not that we ever would want to. Um, whether, it, whether it be uh, dramas in college or zombie shows in Philly. <laughs> yes. Uh, but... Um, well, let's before we get to ERP, um, just kind of go over because you mentioned uh, all of the various facets of performance. Um, what is your main focus? Because we, I, I'm primarily, 
I'm kind of a jack of all trades as well. I'm a I fancy myself an actor primarily, but I always love directing. Um, I've kind of filled into every role you can fill into a theater. Is there is there a particular aspect that you want to stick with or make your main focus, or are you are you kind of okay with having a broader? Uh, I mean range of hats it's I guess it's kind of a funny question but it's a uh, it's totally it's hard to answer um personally I've I uh, started as an acting major being more interested in that kind of thing I always did that kind of thing in high school and I didn't really know anything about the other other aspects of it um and Bloomsburg in particular is an amazing program and they give you they give you the opportunity to do so many different things like I have to try literally everything. I think the only thing that I did not do was costume design and that's just personal preference. But I think that's kind of the cool thing about going to a small theater department versus a large one because you kind of you don't have a choice but to have all of those experience. And in fact, I also work at Hedro Theater and that's kind of the same uh, thing they have in place there is pretty much, you know, there are the dedicated actors, the dedicated stagehands, but you can't really get away with not putting your hands in everything. And I think that's okay. really beneficial for, especially for us in creating ERP, that we have these uh, kind of background skills in oh, all yeah, these aspects absolutely. of theater. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I was doing acting for a while, and uh, it was actually a friend of mine who kind of like turned me on to directing. But when I was in middle school and high school, actually, I worked at my church as the uh, dance instructor, and I would come up with these liturgical dances for church all the time and I didn't really know it then but I was directing for years and uh, I was pretty good at it you know they were pretty awesome dances and so I kind of when I when I picked that up in Bloomsburg again it was it just felt right you know it just felt right. perfect and um, and so that is definitely my main focus when I'm directing I feel the most at home but I have set designed, I have sound designed, that's probably my, my more favorite is the sound designing, because um, it can just make or break a show, you know, it's just, yeah. it's gotta be perfect. And uh, I love makeup, I mean zombie, like we've done that for years with the zombie show, but doing all kinds of makeup, gender reversals, like one of my favorites too, it's just amazing how different our faces are structured and all that kind of stuff just blows my mind. So I've definitely been really interested in that kind of stuff. But honestly, as far as like, deciding between acting and directing and recently I've gotten into playwriting too um I think the bet to be the best artist that you could possibly be you should be good at all of those things and maybe yeah. not good but like well versed in them because the more I directed the more I knew what to do in auditions to get the yeah. director's attention or to like really know what to do as an actor and understand what the character was meaning and, and vice versa. As an actor, as a director, I, I knew what the actors were going through, what they needed to hear, what they couldn't hear, and like what helped them. And I think all of it goes hand in hand. And, the, and to be the best that you could possibly be, you should understand every aspect of it. So I think, yeah, to answer your question, it's, it's definitely more beneficial to be like well-versed and go to a school like Bloomsburg where you can really get that experience. And always keep learning. You never want to stop learning, especially with something like art that changes yeah. all the time. All right, wonderful. Well, um, let's just go along <clears throat> to kind of the main meat of why we do this podcast, but Elephant Room Productions. 
So as I said earlier, we've been active for a few years. It was really 2014. Yep, I think was September our first. 2014. Yep. So I've been involved with you uh, <coughs> in this company since the beginning, but it was really you and Chris Uloff. Uh, it was your brainchild. So what? Uh, how did you just get the gumption to just go ahead and say, "All right, we're starting a theater company"? Because I, I I'll say before you even answer, I remember you you and he had kind of talked about it a little. Um, cause I remember you had kind of been discussing like some kind of step towards more professional theater. And I texted you later that day and said, uh, Hey, how did, uh, how'd your meeting with Chris go today? And you responded, uh, good. We're starting a theater company. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> you were like, yep, yeah, more details to follow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> it was, um, I mean, it's scary. It's scary when you leave college, and luckily for me, I had like several professional gigs lined up out after college. But when those gigs ended, uh, it was kind of this this you know terrifying moment of like, oh my gosh, this is what I got myself into. I have to live like job to job and and figure this out. Um, and I knew as I looked through auditions and I looked through different ideas and different things that I could possibly do that one, it was gonna be hard to afford it. And two, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, I think something that's always connected Chris and I, uh, which, to be honest, Chris Ulaf, who um, is our other co-founder, awesome, awesome, amazing guy, uh, one of my closest friends. Go Chris. He, yeah, he... Um, that's going to be kind of the tagline of this episode, <laughs> go fill in the blank. Exactly. Like, <laughs> he, uh, he and I were friends in college. He had designed a couple of different shows that I did, but I wouldn't say that we were ever really like close. I never knew that much about him. Um, he was actually an English major and um, a theater minor, I believe. Chris, if you correct me if I'm wrong there. And we reconnected outside of college on one of my um, post-college professional professional jobs in New York and working with the Artful Conspirators. And I was like, oh my God, this guy, I know him and he's awesome. We should talk and like keep this going. And as we talked, we found that we had these very similar fundamental values and ideas for what we thought was the purpose of theater and why we went into the arts and why we why we wanted to do this not just because we might be good at it or we enjoy it or it's you know self-gratifying or whatever but because it needed to be done because it was something that was important and bigger than us and we it was amazing that i found someone who had this exact same view and so um he came to philly the one weekend we were um, starting our reconnection, birth of our friendship kind of thing. And we went to see um, <clears throat> a couple of friend shows, which were awesome. And we met with one of his colleagues from this playwriting festival he did. And I never knew the guy. He lived in this really awesome like penthouse in um, Society Hill. It was amazing. And so we went in there and we talked with this guy for a little while. And Chris started talking about the aspects of starting a company. And I was like, whoa, are, are we starting a company? Like, can we do that? Is that a thing people do? Like, don't you have to be, like, really old and have done this for years to do something like that? Like, we're 22 years old. Is this possible? And, um, and believe it or not, this guy was like, you just, you just have to start doing it. Like, pick a mission statement, pick an idea, get your people, and, and make it happen, which is what art is, what theater is, just make it happen. And so we left... That day, me, probably just as surprised as you were, Robert, of yeah. this idea. 
Well, because Actually, I, had, I thought when you, we could do. Yeah, I thought when you told me about um, this meeting with this theater professional, I thought that it was like a some kind of like foot in the door type meeting or like talking to him about his theater company. I had no idea that we were going to embark <laughs> on this crazy journey on a, I would say, pretty firmly built ship that occasionally hits some stormy seas. But, yeah, let's... Um... Well, I think, like, what we really wanted to do in both of us was we had this overwhelming desire to do the work that we wanted to do on our own terms. And, sadly, you know, there are so many talented people out there mm-hmm. and so many people with these amazing ideas and amazing plays, but it is such a hard world to get into and so difficult and filled with rejection and you know, constantly trying for years and years and years until you can finally catch someone's eye in the right way and make your way into something. And a lot of it is, you know, social and getting in the right group and all that kind of stuff too, which um, the politics of it kind of played into us wanting to do this as well, especially in the cities that we work in. Um, And we, we both just kind of decided that, you know, of course we can work with other companies like forever and ever, but for the stuff that we want to do, we should just do it, and we should call yeah. ourselves something. And um, it was actually my mother, I have to give her props for this, came up with the idea for Elephant Room. But I've always loved elephants, it's been like a huge thing for my family, and uh, Chris loves elephants from what I can take, and I just, this this idea of doing something that needed to be done, this, this story that needs to be told, um, doing works that are about different societal issues, events that go on, and in our world, all those kinds of things uh, play into it, and Elephant Room Productions just made the most sense. So that's kind of where we got the title for it. I think it's interesting that you mentioned about the the, the trepidation of kind of going into this so young and uh, without that many worldly theater experiences, because I would say that there were definitely... I, I'm very proud of everything we've done, every project that we have undertaken... Um, but there were definitely some roadblocks with what you mentioned. <laughs> Us kind of, we, we kind of approached this, um, I remember from the beginning, as if we're going we're gonna to go to step one, we're going to lay the foundation, and then we're going to build the house and live in it, is basically what it felt well, like. And honestly, it was even more than that. It was kind of like, we have the house, okay, let's, let's bring people in, let's live in it. And, um, you know, I think... Being a bunch of artists rather than production people, although a lot of us have some experience in production, uh, have this desire to just do art, which is great, but we learn and we, we still learn all the time that you have to take a step back and, and really make it happen. Like, of course, you're going to run into roadblocks, and we had so many different moments of just self-discovery within our own group yeah. of who we are, what we can do versus what we want to do, and uh, really narrowing down a mission statement, that was a big part of it, Um, narrowing down who was going to do what, and that's changed, you know, asking artists to do things that needed to get done that are, you know, boring, financial, or schedule-related things, Uh, but, you know, that all plays a part in actually doing a theater company, and We've done several different workshops, several, several different stage readings. All have been incredibly successful, very beneficial to the playwrights, and very well received by the audiences. And not only that, but once you have that show, how do you get people in the door? How do you advertise? And 
it's just amazing how much you learn when you go through processes like this where you're running it and trying to make it happen and you find all these different holes that you have to fill and I think we've been very good at doing so. But of course you're gonna learn as you go and I think um, now I'm incredibly proud at the place oh, yeah. we are and where we are with it. And uh, But of course you're gonna run into roadblocks and you're learning and you're kids. You don't really know all that you know, but but you learn and that's mm. half the fun of it. Let's uh, let's stay on the subject of the workshops that you mentioned because that honestly what sets us apart, um, the thing I'm most proud of with the work we've done, the shows we've done, is that we're not necessarily mounting fully staged published productions like every other theater company. We are the voice for <coughs> young artists. Maybe not even young artists, just artists who have a story that they want to tell at whatever stage it's at. So what kind of led to the decision to stay more driven on workshops versus the full-fledged published plays? Well, I did my first workshop when we were still at Bloomsburg. It was with David Miller, he was the director, and Dan O'Madden, both from New York City. Um, he was the playwright, and it was this play called Foothills Park, which is amazing. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, I was acting in it, <clears throat> but throughout the process, I like definitely stepped on the toes of the director because I just had so many questions, and I was so amazed by the experience of having a playwright in the room where you can ask questions, they don't have to answer, but they're just gathering all of this honest-to-God feedback, all of this honest reaction and questions, and, and like if you could take old plays that have already been published and do that with them, like how many questions would you have where the playwright might have been able to go further but never had that experience because we're, you know, we're all believing in ourselves and don't think that we need that. But it's amazing to get that human connection throughout it um, and for it. And so uh, part of it was just this like overwhelming love for workshops. And um, as a director, as someone like that, I, what I love most about that is watching those who I help succeed. Like the actors, you know, finally finding <clears throat> that moment and those kinds of things is so um, gratifying to me. And so this playwright, like being able to move further with their script and, and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and what questions there are is so beneficial. And I think this world needs new current art. And I think that is so important. And um, if we can help with that, that's just great. You know, like I said before, Chris and I have always felt that this theater is bigger than us. And what we can do to make it succeed and, and be amazing is just so great. Another part of it, to be completely honest, was just what can we do versus what we want to do. When we first started the company, of course, we had like a whole season schedule and we had several different shows lined up that we were going to have lighting designers and costume designers and the whole nine because of course we can just do the impossible well because i remember it was a it, our quote unquote first season we had foothills park which was a very successful weekend workshop that ended with the stage reading in both with cities the, yeah. yeah in both cities which that was that blew my mind too that this was my first experience with this company and i was going performing in philly and then going to new york we had kind of a self-weekend workshop the following spring where we just all brought plays to the table and read through them. And the idea was the following season we would do a weekend workshop like we had done before. We would do a fully mounted play 
And then we would do a fully mounted original play that we were supposed to have written within the span of like six months. Which is great, so. but we had to kind of look at the reality of what we could accomplish with all these young artists and in reality what we could afford to do too. And I think one thing that we've learned over the past three years is this overwhelming desire to put out quality versus quantity. Uh, it's something we've had to accept ourselves. We, of course, have these beautiful ideas that someday will happen, but we want them to be the best that they could be. And so being able to uh, look at ourselves and realize where our limitations lie and really be able to do it in the time that it deserves. And so we kind of looked at ourselves and realized, what are we good at? Well, we're really great at workshops because we have great feedback. We enjoy it. The playwrights enjoy it. We're really great at getting a group of actors who are just amazing. I've been astounded every time we've cast a show because they are just the best people from both New York and Philadelphia because we work in both cities. Another really cool thing about ERP is that half of us live in New York and half of us live in Philly. So we try to do um, a pretty even amount of things in both cities, which is something unlike most other companies. And so if you're an actor in either city, you get an opportunity to work with us at some point. And so... We, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here, but we, uh, sorry, a cat ran in here, yeah, and I got a, yeah. a little distracted by the kitty it cat. Is, uh, it's, <laughs> it just goes to show that you never can predict what's going to happen on the trumpet. And we he's had back. A, we are, we, oh, he's <laughs> back. Come on. Not to uh, pull the veil back on the professionalism of the recording, but we are recording in the room that also houses his food, and he is... Exactly. Uh, a little hungry. He, well, he puts the same emphasis on food as I do, so <laughs> I'm, I, so I can't fault hungry. him for that. So, but going back to it, uh, yeah, I think we're really good at the whole development, and I think we kind of like to call ourselves a development company. We're here for the stories. We're here for the art, the, the theater. It's not about us. And I think everyone in our company feels that way, which is a beautiful thing. And we've recently brought in more people to our company. Okay. We've expanded over the last year, which is amazing. They're both amazing people. And, and yeah, I think I'm very excited about where we're moving forward. We're moving to a more solidified system now of what we do and uh, how we can help. And so I think it's just been really, really great. I think it's interesting that you had mentioned, you used an example of other plays, you know, published plays, what benefit they would have, because just kind of show where our playwrights are at in terms of their level. Even Stephen Sondheim, I just remembered this, has said numerous times that he has a couple story regrets on Sweeney Todd, which is arguably what? one of the <laughs> one of the most famous Broadway musicals of all time. Not so much regrets, but he he has not given specific examples, but he has cited that if he had had more time, there was a couple story things that he would have done differently. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber said the same thing about Love Never Dies. So I think it's... And I mean, of course you're going to find some yeah. playwrights who disagree, who feel... Um, that they don't want the be like the benefit of other people talking yeah. about their plays or, or feel vulnerable vulnerable about it and I mean that's totally normal that's fine this art is very personal it's very um, our own thing and so it makes sense that some people would feel that way and that's why I think I mean I imagine we're probably gonna move on to ears pretty soon yeah. which is what we're doing right now which is awesome that's and the ears reading series um, and I think it just we give the playwright. A great opportunity to um, separate themselves from the criticism, or it's not always criticism, it's rarely criticism, but from the feedback, from the 
honest reactions and um, and use it for their own benefit or not. You know, it's it's do what you wish with it. Um, so yeah, let's move on to that kind of stuff. Well, I, th- I was gonna say I think it's interesting that you, in addition to directing some of our workshops, you're you have been a part of this process too. Your play was workshop last year. Yeah. So what was <laughs> how what was that like? Kind of being being on both ends of the spectrum, being oh, someone so that different. kind of kind of yeah. Well, the difference between being someone that led the workshop versus that person who was there to get the information from the workshop. You know, I had to keep catching myself. We brought in this really awesome guy, Cameron Dunbar yeah. from California. Actually, he knows a couple of our uh, a couple of our elephants, and he joined us for it. Um, and it was it was amazing. It was really amazing. And that was a whole workshop. This wasn't an ears reading type thing. So I've never gone through that kind of process. Um, and it was it. it it gave me exactly what I needed. And from there I've, I've finished a new draft and was so inspired to work on it immediately afterwards. We also have this really awesome uh, system with the staged readings where the audience actually gets to answer or ask questions after, which is so, so beneficial because it's, it's one thing to have a bunch of artists know that they're supposed to give feedback in a room and are thinking about these very intellectual, like wonderful things that they want to talk about. It's so different to have these honest, just normal people and a whole random sample of them in an audience giving you feedback. It's amazing. And so I had a wonderful experience. It was, I had to catch myself a couple times wanting to say things as a director. And that was a learning experience for me, but I loved what he did with it. And I, I want to do it again, just like every weekend of my life. I just think it's neat that there are things that Come on! I mean, I've never written a play, but I have seen uh, many of our workshops. I've seen all of our workshops, actually, and been a part of all of our workshops. And I think it's interesting that there are questions that come up or realizations that come up that even the playwright, until they hear a separate outside person <laughs> say it, they've never even like, oh, wow, hey, yeah, that, okay. Yeah, yeah if that. I can <laughs> give an example, like, I won't go into it, but um, one of the characters in my play, I mean, of course... I see him in a certain way because I, I wrote it and I understood him on the inside. But I had one um, one actor or someone ask the question, uh, is he a good guy? And for the first time ever, I was taken aback and had to think to myself, well, of course he's a good guy, but wait, why are they reading that he's not a good guy? And so just those kinds of things, you have all these different people with all these different life experiences bringing themselves to the table. And everyone's going to react in a different way. And especially the kind of theater that we love and support, not that we only accept theater. That's about, you know, those hard, on-topic, societal things. Um, But that kind of theater is really touchy. And the play we're about to work on in October in Philadelphia, uh, his play centers around the Orlando shooting. And he wrote to me, you know, that he's kind of touching outside territory with writing this play. And he wants to make sure that He's not crossing any lines, and he wants to get that honest feedback. So having a random sampling of people in a city that he doesn't live, reading his play and giving feedback is an incredibly unique and rewarding experience for him to have. So I guess let's just move on, because uh, we've been pushing in this direction, to the Elephant Ears reading series. So over the next few months, uh, as this podcast gets off the ground, uh, our main focus will be to focus on our monthly reading series in Philadelphia and New York called the Elephant Ears Reading Series. Uh, it is an informal reading series. 
that includes unfinished plays or unpublished plays that are not quite the workshop phase yet. And we've done, how many have we done in Philly at this point? I think three, I want to say. Four, I think, actually. Four in Philly, okay. Mm-hmm. Four, yeah, that's right. We had three sessions. One was two plays. Mm-hmm. So what is the benefit of this versus what we've done before, the staged reading, the in front of an audience? Well, what so is the process? The idea with, well, the whole idea of what we do, and if you go on our website, elephantproductions.com, you'll see under the page Elephant Ears Reading Series that there is this whole um, journey that you can go on with us, and we'd love to take you. And so there's four different stages, and the first stage is the Ears, um, Elephant Ears Reading Series, where basically you submit your play to us. You can submit it at erpsubmissions.com, or sorry, erpsubmissions at gmail.com, and uh, we'll read your play. We'll pick a month for you. You are welcome to come, but as um, a playwright, I just had a conversation with them the other day about it. Um, We've actually found that a lot of playwrights prefer to remain absent from this part, just because it gives the actors this unknown freedom to be able to speak more freely. Actors are not so used to this experience of um, discussing it with the playwright, and of course we don't want to offend anyone. We're all friends, you know? We're all artists, and and there's love, and so of course people feel bad about it. So doing the recording kind of separates us from that. So basically we'll take your play, we'll read it, uh, and then we'll stop the recording, we'll start a new recording, and we'll do a discussion. uh, Where if you have any specific questions or any parts of the play you want us to focus on, we've definitely had that from playwrights, and we will answer those questions. Everyone gets their turn, we talk about it for as long as we want um, kind of thing, and then... We'll also ask the simple things. What are moments of meaning to you? Um, we base this on like a Liz Lerman scale. Uh, what are the moments of meaning to you? What questions do you have? And what questions does the playwright have? And uh, and then we'll stop the recording. We'll send it to you. And that's it. Free. Totally free. Just send us your plays. Did you and say we, free? I said free. Why? That's too good to be true. <laughs> because we just want you to want to keep going. I know sometimes you get stuck and when you're at that stuck part, you'll just like save it and like throw it in the documents on your computer and be like, I'll get to that later. Maybe you start a new script because something else inspired you. Well, just send us the old one. Send it to us. We'll read it. We'll talk about it, and we'll send you the recording. Even and if it's not finished. When e- yeah, even if it's not finished. Just Whenever you decide to go to that recording, you will be re-inspired, and you'll be like, yes, I'm going to start working on that play again. That's awesome. <laughs> and that is what happens, and that is what Ears is for. And it's, it's us encouraging you to keep going because we want to do your plays. Because you're amazing, and we want to do your plays, so keep it going. So just to emphasize on that, uh, we talked earlier about our main uh, workshop goals with ERP and our mission statement, Um, and I think it's important to emphasize for the purposes of EARS that our mission statement does not necessarily eliminate play candidates. Definitely not. I mean, this is any anybody who wants to get their words out, even if you've read it through in your head once and you think, oh, that I think that sounds good. Can you get a second opinion? Um, we're more than happy to tell. In fact, I would say every play that we had so far uh, had kind of a mix of questions from the playwrights. Some were kind of more on the vague scale and some were very specific. What did you think of this character? What did you think? You know, did you understand this aspect of it? Which I think is really neat because the playwright is kind of looking at the play as a whole and saying, 
okay, these are the things that I am curious about as a whole to play, but these are also some specific moments that I personally would like to work yeah. on. Yeah, and is, sometimes is really it depends cool. on the level of development with the play, and there's no hard feelings if, if you don't have those questions. We'll ask the regular questions, and there's always a lot of feedback. Uh, and I think going back to what you're saying about it touching with the mission statement, I think um, one really interesting thing we've experienced so far is we're all different people. Like all of us in this company, every, every actor we bring in, all which are always professional actors from outside of our company too, um, amazing people in both cities, everyone has different opinions and different backgrounds. They all grew up a different way. And you know when we talk on, on these issues, you're gonna get that wide array of opinions, which is amazing. Um, we had a pretty feminist play we read here and just hearing those amazing different opinions in this room, uh, was incredible and of course you want that because you want to hear both sides and with ears you'll be able to hear both sides because you're going to have a whole group of people in this room reading it it's uh, also interesting because when you even when you write a play you may have the voices in your head of what each character is but until yeah. it's it's an insane experience to hear those aloud for the first time and in fact what i found most fun about ears is that um with the exception of you and generally you know, one or two other people in the company it's a cold read it's everyone is experiencing these yep. characters in the story for the, the first time which has been fun for me because i have i've been playing a character a certain way for like half a scene and i'll get halfway through and go oh that nope back in character Just, which is uh, great so you know um <laughs> so you know what that cold experience is for the actor however with that said <clears throat> moving on to what your next steps would be is if you want that more uh, thought out, character developed experience, our next option, which does cost just a little bit of money because everything ain't free. And sometimes, you know, we have to play, pay for spaces and we want to pay for amazing actors to come in and work with us. And, um, you know, it's not even covering like nowhere near all of it, but it's just a little help donation to kind of help us make it happen because we want to so bad. And so the first option is a workshop where we would do the day um, or half a day, depending on how long your play is. No, no uh, rush on how long or how short it is. Totally fine. And um, we would work with the actors more delicately. We would take each scene, each moment, and really um, kind of table work it as if we were going to do it and really work, workshop the play. And for this, we would absolutely invite you to come to it. But if you don't want to, of course, you don't have to. Some playwrights don't want to. But that would be the idea with the workshop, um, where you could really, the actors would prepare ahead of time, they would have actions ready, they would have questions ready, they would have all this awesome stuff ready. Our uh, next step after that would be the workshop weekend, which is a whole weekend de devoted to your play. You know, we read through it Friday night, we talk about it, we get really into it Saturday and Sunday, and uh, and work really hard on the piece. And we go through everything. We go through movement, through uh, character development, uh, questions. We go deeper and deeper into the script. You're welcome to rewrite. You're welcome to do whatever you want to really like hone in that weekend with us and just make it all about your play. And then for a little bit extra, we could do a staged reading of it, which is so beneficial. Yeah. I, a really memorable experience ERP had this past year was on Memorial Day, we actually uh, did a staged reading of a piece called Beautiful American Soldier. And it's been a piece that has always been really close to me and Chris. Uh, Dan O'Madden actually wrote this one as well. And um, 
half of it takes place in Iraq and half of it takes place in America and it was just it was amazing and I think what was really awesome about this experience is that uh, besides the actors being off book I mean they were ready to do it mm -hmm. like this play was it was great it was done it was um, it was really well received by the audience the actors were so so in character like it was yeah. it was so amazing it, it made my heart just swell and I was particularly impressed by the direction of that piece whoever oh, well, directed it uh, was oh. <laughs> thank you but uh, no, it was it was it felt like we were really doing a play, and yeah. that goes to show that the playwright was well prepared, and that the actors were very interested and loved working with us, and that we were prepared, and that this play was at a point where it was ready mm -hmm. to do that. So your play might not be ready to do that, and we'll let you know if we don't think it is, um, or if you don't think it is, or or what process we might want to go through first to iron out a few details or something. But that's the idea: is that you go through this journey with us with the play you could use the same play you could submit different plays for different stages whatever you want to do and the end goal is to do this staged reading in front of a live audience in either new york or philadelphia and this audience will then give you feedback and hopefully by the end of it your play will be in tip-top shape and we can just continue to create new works together sidebar one of the most unbelievable aspects of that particular workshop to me was that uh, we were performing literally right around the corner from the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we were in Times Square. We that were, was pretty amazing. We were so close to the Majestic Theater that you could practically hear the chandelier falling. Well, and also, I mean, that's fantastic. But fantastic. to get serious also, uh, it just goes to show, I mean, doing a play about that kind of topic on Memorial Day, I think, uh, really hit home for everyone, too. Yeah. And it was a great way to really remember and we also donated um some of the proceeds to a veteran society um because i think as much as we do we have to do for a reason and i think that's why why we should do art as much as it is this like self-fulfilling thing that we love because we're good at it and it makes us feel good it needs to be for something bigger than us and um that's where my whole like love for psychology comes into everything of course but it really needs to be important, and that's what ERP stands for, and that's what ERP wants to do. And so we're constantly trying to give back. With as little as we have, <laughs> we give back, because this is bigger than us, and we need to keep that going. All right. Can you, before we wind down, can you tell us again real quick where playwrights can submit these plays? Yes, and what yes, the, yes, what yes. the process is for submitting? So you can submit your play to erpsubmissions at gmail.com anytime any time of day I don't care you email me at 4 in the morning I'll check your play out and uh, Will we're William, actors we don't <laughs> sleep <laughs> Will, William Gwynn is our New York City representative for years and me Lauren M. Shover is the representative for Philadelphia and so we'll take the play uh, good god how many hats do you have so many hats. <laughs> and so we do all of these different... Uh, we, it doesn't really matter what city you, you live in, necessarily, unless you like really want your play to be read in a certain city. I mean, that's fine, too. But you just submit it to that. Say, like, I'm really interested in the ears, um, the ears reading. Or if you feel like your play is more developed and doesn't need a reading like that, maybe you've gone through it already with a couple other companies, and you'd like to do the workshop or the workshop weekend or the staged reading, 
by all means, let us know. We'll read your play. We'll let you know if we think it's like ready for good for us, and and we'll do it. Uh, we'd love to. So please submit there. You can also check out more information or more specific information about the journey, the cost, uh, what we need you to submit, that kind of thing, at elephantroomproductions.com. Very nice. Uh, and as I said before, uh, at the beginning of this podcast, our main goal at the beginning will be to focus on this year's reading series, uh, which means many of the upcoming episodes uh, will be an optional interview with the playwright. So if you submit a play to us and you feel confident enough with the response, you are more than welcome to come on here with me. We'll have a conversation just like this about the play, what you got out of the experience, what you were hoping to go forward with it. Uh, and I'll probably end with just these three questions that I'm going to throw at Lauren right now, just kind of wind <laughs> oh down and have some fun. Because uh, it's a theater podcast, so why not? Uh, hey, Lauren. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you sound very natural. Um, what, um, what's your favorite play, playwright, and actor? Oh, God. Uh, there's so many. There's just so many. Um, Thank you for playing. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to have to go with, like, published pieces, I guess. Okay. Um, I mean, favorite play of all time, and one that is just such a dream of mine, is uh, to direct The Pillow Man um, by Mark McDonough. It's just an amazing piece, and so dark and beautiful and witty. And, um, and yeah, so that would probably be my favorite play, I've got to say. I will say I still... Have not gotten you need to read, read it, it because you will not put it down once you start. It. <laughs> it's very good. It's very, very good. Um, for favorite playwright, uh, well, the first play that I really ever directed full production wise was in college, and it was Jack and Jill by Jane Martin, which isn't a play that a lot of people know about. But, uh, or actually the full title is Jack and Jill of Romance. I got to point that out. They're not two kids running up a hill and with a pail of water. Oh, God, no. But um, <laughs> It's a very different it story. It was a beautiful play that played yeah. into the gender norms and the realities of marriage and uh, independence versus dependence and all of those things that uh, really, like, hit home for me and, like, my past life. And I really, uh, I really enjoyed working on it. Also, I just, I mean, if you're... In the theater world, um, he, she is a wonderful playwright. Jane Martin. I think... Um, yeah. I have actually always preferred John Jury. Um, <laughs> I think Jane Martin's all right, but... <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I, I just, I think that her dialogue skills are very great. I have always found that the, the fighting in particular in her plays is just the overlapping so dialogue too. natural yes. and like amazing. And as an actor, it just you know, you're that out of body experience where you're just saying your lines and you're just like, it's just so real to you. Um, I would have to say she's, she's one of my favorite playwrights and, uh, I've read a lot of her other monologues. She has a lot of monologues with like the Humana Festival and things like that. I've, I've always very much enjoyed that playwright. Actually, uh, the fight at the end of act one of that play was the first scene you and I ever did together. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So cool. The dishes throwing scene. Memories. Our teacher always loved to make me do crazy things like that. <laughs> um, and so, um, favorite actor? I have so many. And honestly, I think like, I mean, I love theater so much, but I think television has come so mm -hmm. far in yeah. the past like decade or two. It's just amazing. Um, or even less than that. I mean, like the past couple years, 
um, I think Breaking Bad like blew people out of the water yeah. and just the amazing things we've done with TV lately. You used to be ashamed to tell people that you watch TV and now it's like, no, I watch TV because it's, it's freaking art. It's amazing. Uh, the Leftovers, if you've never seen it, freaking the OJ Simpson show. It's just, it's all so yeah. amazing. But I when have to say... You tell a story so much more in-depth with Yes, show. like, movies used to be so big, and they are still big, don't get me wrong, I mean, movies are great, but I would so much rather spend an afternoon binge-watching a TV show yeah. than watch a movie. And uh, we have these amazing programs and networks, and it's just great. But, but I'd say your favorite actor, she just won Best Actress... Woo! Which is amazing, and she so deserves it. But Tatiana Maslany, uh, Robert actually turned me on to this show. Which, if you know me at all, you'd probably know that I'm not huge into sci-fi besides Star Wars. I'm not wildly into like science fiction type stuff. But um, it's a show about clones, and don't don't get me wrong, clones that makes me sound weird, but it's awesome. The challenge and the amazingness behind her, she plays about eight different versions of herself. She plays a soccer mom, a scientist, a uh, Russian yeah. crazy lady, yeah. a British rock rocker chick. Like, so many different versions of herself, and it is so incredibly believable. Like, it will blow your mind. It, it's on BBC America. Not to plug anything, because, you know, we're not getting paid for any of these plugs. Tune in, like, Saturdays <laughs> at 9. For one no. more season. One season left. He's joking, but it really I'm not is, joking. It it is, really is amazing. And um, uh, there's actually even moments where she has to play one character pretending to be another character. And, like, you can see the levels. That blows it's, my mind every It's time amazing. So and so um, props to BBC America. Props to Tatiana Maslany. But she would definitely have to be my favorite actor at the moment. So to answer your three cool questions, yeah. Pillow Man, Jane Martin, and Tatiana Maslany would have to be mine. All right. Very nice. Um... <laughs> I will have my three on the next episode. Yeah, so please tune in for the next episodes. We're going to be bringing in playwrights to talk about their plays. Um, hopefully, hopefully even have some segments of their plays being read um, on the podcast. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss these podcasts. And Robert is an amazing host. So oh, get ready for Shucky it. We're coming at you live. Um, well, I want to thank Lauren for sitting with me on our very first episode. Um, I want to also give a special guest appearance shout out to Bagheera, the black foster cat, who wandered in here halfway through the episode. He's yes. gone now, <laughs> um, but he, he brightened up the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope to uh, you hope we hope to hear from you again. Um, join us next month on our next podcast. Check us out on the web. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We got it all. And if you have a player that you would like to submit to Elephant Ears, uh, can you give us that email one more time? ERPsubmissions at gmail.com Remember, every story deserves to be heard. So join the Elephant Herd and come do some theater with us. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Bye.